0: podcast with your host, Chris Glandon, serving cybersecurity straight up with no chaser. Let's hit the bar and grab a drink. My man, Danny boy.
1: Hey, Chris. Wait, how did you get in here? This is a closed private VIP event, bro. Did you social engineer the security guard out front? And pick the lock, or did you just hijack the
0: biometric reader to get in? Nah, dude. Side door was propped open.
1: Damn it. Okay, well, since you're here. Hmm. I don't see anything on here that really stands out to me. Yeah, hold on, Chris. Hey, can I help you with something, sir? Yes. Can you make me something special? Yeah, of course. What's your poison? Typically... It's injecting false data into a network in order to ultimately steal sensitive information. But let's make it a surprise. (laughs) All right, I like your style. Let me whip something up for you. Oh no, wait, our system has been hacked. Hacked, you say? Oh shit, seriously? Yeah, it looks like someone has broken into our database and changed all our cocktail recipes. Luckily, you have me here to fix that. Wait, you can hack our system? Oh yes. Just let me get onto your Wi-Fi, and I'll have this all sorted out in no time. Okay, well then the password is Okay, let me just run a quick script here. And boom, the cocktail recipes have been restored to their original state. Wow, that was fast. How did you do that? I have my ways and to thank me for my services How about you make me a cocktail on the house? You got it. This one's straightforward. It's just one part vodka and then one part orange juice over ice. Pour orange soda on top. Really? You want me to put that in there? Trust me. (sighs) All right. Okay, there you have it. I call it the hacksaw. Hmm, not bad. You
0: know, maybe I should hack your system more often.
1: Anytime, as long as you can fix it just
0: as easily. Good luck with that, bro. Hey, I see a guy over there I need to go talk to. I'll catch you later. I got you. I'll see you next round. Bruce Schneier is a renowned American cryptographer, computer security expert, and author who has dedicated his career to advancing the field of digital security and privacy. His latest book titled A Hacker's Mind, How the Powerful Bend Society's Rules and How to Bend Them Back, focuses on how using a hacker's mindset can change how you think about your life and the world. The long-awaited return to barcode. Bruce, welcome. How are you, my friend? Thanks for having me back. Absolutely, man. So, First off, Bruce, I want to ask you, what inspired you to write this book and focus on this topic specifically?
2: It's what I've been thinking about. The notion of hacking extends far beyond computers, right? The idea of subverting rules, of finding loopholes, of figuring out tricks to skirt the law. And those aren't new concepts, but they're actually hacking, and they share a lot in common with computer hacking. And the mindset and frame we have to think about the computer world is more general, and there's a benefit to policy of thinking of these things in terms of hacks both attack and defense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It extends way beyond technology and that's what I love about this particular book. Um and in the beginning of this book you really talk about the importance of now, why now is important to recognize different types of hacking and then also defend against the malicious formats of hacking. Um why do you feel that the importance is more time critical in today's world?
2: You know, a couple of things. I think we are getting really good at hacking. The rich and powerful are really good at finding tax loopholes or getting their legislative priorities passed or figuring out holes in our regulatory compliance structure. That it's just getting to be that there's two sets of law, one for those who figure out how to evade it and the other for everybody else. And that's just bad for society. So I think that's important now. I think the risks are more catastrophic now, that these are global systems, and whether it's the internet or climate or AI or bio, that the risks of this hacking is becoming greater, and we need to think about that. I think there is now the chance that AI will start doing hacking, not that they will find, I don't want to say this, that Hacking is a creative process, right? It's looking at a set of rules and figuring out what the loopholes are. And that's a very human process. But I think it's going to become an AI process in the next few years. And that's going to change speed, scale, and scope. And I talk in my book about that. So that's going to make things different. So all of that lines up to make this critically important. You know, to say it more generally, it's kind of like our systems of law and governance no longer work for us as a species. We're just too powerful as a species for our laws so we need some other ways of thinking about it and that's really what i tried to do in the book
0: yeah um i do want to talk about ai in a moment but you mentioned systems specifically um and this could be ai and beyond right what do you feel are the fundamental principles about systems that allow them to be hacked
2: so a system is really a set of rules. It's a set of things that can and can't be done. Sometimes they are physical rules. Right? You can imagine a mechanical system obeys a bunch of physical rules about how it works. But it can also be a system of laws. The tax code is a system, Our systems of finance, and these are socio-technical systems. And they are all similar in that they are controlled by the rules that govern them. And I think that all sets of rules are either inconsistent or incomplete. Right? They have things that the designers haven't thought of. They have mistakes or circumstance changes, and they're now using a different situation than they were designed for. And sort of given that, all systems are hackable. There's no such thing as a hack-proof system, just like there's no such thing as computer code that doesn't have bugs. I mean, we just don't know how to do that. It is just so complex and so interrelated, so many interactions, that these bugs, these vulnerabilities are inevitable. These hacks are inevitable. So, so much of our life is governed by these complex sociotechnical systems, our systems of governance, our systems of commerce, our systems of interaction, and they're all hackable.
0: Do you feel like AI moving forward will help strengthen that at all? Or do you feel like that just becomes another victim in that that cycle?
2: I think it's both. That's what makes it interesting. It's certainly another system. Like We have already seen lots of hacks against AI. It's called adversarial machine learning in the... Uh, in the community, and there's different ways to manipulate and abuse an AI system. And lots of systems are vulnerable to that, and that's going to be true in the foreseeable future. I mentioned previously the idea of an AI finding hacks in other systems. So you feed an AI the entire nation's tax codes, or maybe the world's tax codes, and you say, find me the loopholes. Then you figure out, will it tell you to register your company in Delaware and Register your ship in Panama, and you know what will it tell you that we don't know? So there's that. I think there's going to be this, uh, this usage of AI to find vulnerabilities in systems, to find hacks in these socio-technical systems. But those same AI vulnerability-finding code can be used for the defense. And so we can imagine the software world that a company, Microsoft, anybody— would feed its code to an AI saying find the bugs find the vulnerabilities and then they get patched before the code is released so suddenly we are writing more secure better more reliable code because the AI is finding and fixing the bugs before you know before before the release date and you can imagine the same thing used against the tax code so someone proposes a new tax law and then oh the candidate or a watchdog group or the press runs this loophole-finding AI against this new tax uh, proposal in the rest of the tax law and finds the vulnerabilities, finds the loopholes. It doesn't mean they get fixed, right? Our legislative process is more complicated than that. But it doesn't mean they get discovered and they become part of the debate. So AI, in all cases—this is just an example of that—benefits both sides, attack and defense. And who comes and Who comes up on top at the end? I don't think we know yet. And I think that the defense prevails in the long run, simply because if the defending AI finds a vulnerability, it gets fixed. But in the meantime, right, the attacker finds a vulnerability at all the existing things
0: and then can exploit them. Yeah. So. In terms of what we know as the, the endless arms race, right, with AI technology becoming more mainstream now with tools like ChatGPT, right, do you think that the accessibility of these tools will ultimately increase AI-based attacks in the future? And, you know, what does that mean for defenders as this technology continues to evolve?
2: A couple of things I want to tease out of what you asked. I mean, Chat GPT, DAL E, these are the AIs that we in the public are allowed to play with. And I say allowed very specifically. I mean, these are designed by big corporations for profit, and they are letting us play with them because that's how they're, they're training them, right? They're, they're getting better product because of all of our free labor. That's the exception. Most AIs are owned by these uh, big corporations for their own benefit. And that's why I think in this arms race, the, uh, the advantage goes to the already powerful. Now, that tax break finding AI, you don't get to run that. Goldman Sachs gets to run that. It's going to sit in their basement. It's going to find tax loopholes. They're going to sell to their wealthy clients. And there's not going to be something that we are allowed to use unless things change right so the ais are being built by these powerful companies because you need a lot of power to build an ai you need computing power you need training data you need researchers this is not something that we as hobbyists can do so i think democratization of ai is extraordinarily important for society as what you said give people an idea of what's possible but also to allow the underdogs access to the tools. I mean, so you think of uh, ChatGPT. I mean, you know, sure, my students can use it to uh, to complete their essays and 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 cheat and plagiarize, and I'm probably not going to know, and you know, kind of a waste of their education. That's that's too bad. But I really worry about it being used as a persuasive tool, not to write op eds. Anybody can write op eds, but to uh Mimic millions of people on the Internet on Twitter, on Facebook, on uh, other social media in comments comments columns and newspapers, and you know act like regular people with a political bias. Now, I don't care if one person does that, but by the millions, by the billions, that overwhelms uh political discourse. You know, you go online, you read what you think is a robust political debate, and it's bots arguing with other bots. And unfortunately, the bots that win those arguments are going to be the better funded bots because they'll be the better at it. So you know, th- this is tied up a lot with our current inequality. And the fear is that it magnifies that. The other thing that you kind of touched on is the need for agility. Hey, you know, you find a tax loophole. It takes about two years to patch it. And that might be okay if you find one, but if we find a thousand, that's not going to fly. You know, we need some way to patch our systems faster. Microsoft finds a bug. They patch it within weeks. Apple, the same thing. There's a bug in the tax code. It's years if it's ever patched. And that, that cycle needs to be shortened. We need more agility in these sociotechnical systems in the same way we have them right now in our computer
0: systems. I completely agree with that. Um, in your book, you spend a great deal of time discussing how law and policy can be hacked. Um, how do you think AI and digital simulation technology will change hacking policy and legal code? And then what do you feel is the timeline that we could expect to see these changes occur?
2: It's this idea that AIs will find vulnerabilities. Timeline, I don't know. I mean, if I was Goldman Sachs, I'd be working on it right now. And, you know, it's not going to be that the AI finds a loophole and just hands it to you. It'll be what we know works best, that it's AIs and people working in tandem. right? so the AI finds some candidates. The people say, you know, that's not great. Here's a here's a tweet. Go back and, and think about it some more. And the AI does, and it goes back and forth. And eventually there's something that the humans say, this is a good idea, here's how to make it a great idea. And then it's released. So I don't know timeline. I think it's sooner than we think. I think finding loopholes in the tax code or loopholes in financial regulations is not more than a couple of years off.
0: Interesting. And what are your thoughts around the integration of technology with policy? So you think of smart contracts, blockchain, Law bots, and how do you expect that to change things?
2: Oh, God, I will hope they go away. I mean, smart contracts are stupid. Blockchain's idiotic. I mean, none of that actually does anything useful. You know, we already have contracts that trigger automatically. Uh, So I don't think it changes anything. I mean, it could be the dumpster fire it is, but hopefully, you know, the blooms are off the rose. It'll go away. We don't have to worry about it ever
0: again. You provide a lot of great information in this book with a lot of takeaways but I'm curious to know if there were any takeaways for you. you know did anything either surprise you or was there anything that you learned from personally um, going through this process?
2: you know I was surprised how much hacking reinforces existing inequalities because we think of hackers as you know teenagers in hoodies, countercultural, the little guy fighting the man and that's not that really the way it works that most hacks, of the tax code are, are by the rich. You know. If I found a tax loophole, one, I can't make much money from it, and two, the IRS is going to close it. Right? You know, Wealthy billionaire finds a tax code, one, they make more money, and two, they will lobby so that Congress enshrines it into law. And then when I think about it further, I realize you know, the NSA are actually the world's best hackers, that in fact, hacking does magnify existing power. And I was surprised that. I mean, in retrospect, I shouldn't have been, but I really came into it with much more of a traditional countercultural mindset
0: than I came out of it. So the comment that you just made about the NSA being the world's best hackers, um, can you just expand on that for me?
2: I mean, so we learned this from Snowden. You know, We saw glimpses in the NSA's hacking capabilities. And it turns out they have a lot of money, but they have budget. They have expertise, they can hire people, and it's a career path. It's not just a hobby, it's not just something you do in your spare time. You are a hacker for the government as your job, and that's your expertise. And you you can have conferences on it, and you can get better at it, and you get rewarded for it, and it's legal, right? You don't go to jail for making a mistake. And you have you know the budget and demand of the US government behind you and that just makes you better at it than if you were, you know, some teenager in your room trying to hack a system cuz it's fun or even if you're a career criminal.
0: For those that are looking to get into hacking, I mean number 1, obviously, you know, pick up this book, but uh any other resources that that you can think of that maybe extend beyond the scope of what we typically hear as hacking from the technical angle?
2: Yeah, I think I'm the one who took this hacking idea into the vernacular, but in the notion of loopholes is not new, right? A hack is a loophole. So there's lots of people who write about loopholes and how they're exploited. Uh, In in the computer field, I I always recommend Ross Anderson's book, Security Engineering, as a great resource for anybody in this field. Adam Shostak wrote a new book called Threats, which is very good and, and talks about some of this. And then his his previous books on threat modeling uh, are really useful. So that's where I'd start. I mean, poke around. Yeah, you know, I, I I maintain a blog I write every day, so there's always a lot of stuff there. Everything I do is on schneier dot com. And uh you know, look around. I, I think there's a lot more in common with the non-computer world, which is different languages. So if you think about it in terms of loopholes, then I think you find a lot more in the political science and the legal literature and the policy literature about, about them and how they're exploited and who exploits them and what the damages to trust in society are. And I think that's really important, that a lot of these things damage our trust. And we are less compliant when we don't trust the system. When you learn that somebody rich is getting away with paying almost no tax because of a loophole, you are more likely to cheat on your own taxes. And we know that from, from studies. So when there are these systems that allow the powerful to get a, get, get, get out of, uh, following the rules, we are less likely to follow the rules. And that's just bad for society.
0: Yeah. And what I learned from your book is, um, you know to think outside of the box, think along the the lines of really any system, like you said, not just a computer system. And I think that um, anyone, no matter you know what degree of security education you have, where you are in your career professionally, you know, I think anyone could look at this book and and make that connection. And I think that was that was really something special and something that you know you you rarely hear or or get a perspective on from someone um, that's been in the industry as long as you have so
2: yeah thank you it, it, I really like the examples the f- most fun about that book are the examples from sports from religion from casino games just just it was really fun to write because there are so many examples of hacking all through the world all through history
0: Oh yeah yeah that section of the book was extremely fun to read through and um, some of those stories took me down a rabbit hole:
2: it was just as much fun to
0: write so thank you Okay. So where can we get this book? Obviously it's on Amazon. Um, but you know, tell us where we can get it and also where our listeners can continue to connect with you online.
2: Well, so the book is available wherever fine books are sold. You know, you know that answer. So like everybody has it online. I saw it in an airport last week, which is super exciting. Nice. Right. If you think about airports, they're not known for their wide book selection. So being uh, one of the books at a, at the Roanoke airport made me very happy. Uh, everything I do is on Schneier.com. So you see my blog, my essays, my other books. That's sort of where I am. Gotcha. I know I'm not a social media person. It makes me a freak, but highly productive.
0: <laughs> no, it's better you stay away from it. Um, I wish I could do it. That stuff rots your brain. It does. It does rot your brain. Um, excellent, Bruce. Well, listen, um... Like I said, I do have a copy of the book and I encourage everyone else listening to go get a copy of it ASAP. Um, It's definitely a must read. Um, Bruce, thanks again. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for having me. That was really good. Take care. Did you know that Alma means soul in many Latin languages? And if you're using Alma Linux, the open source, forever free enterprise Linux distro in your organization... You need a guardian angel at your side. TuxCare, a company that provides enterprise level support and services Linux operating systems, recently launched their AlmaCare service. It's built specifically to help customers get the most out of their Alma Linux deployments, and it's delivered by the people who know the distro inside and out. With Alma Linux, you'll get a commercial repository with up to 16 years of support coverage and benefit from optional, high valued extensions. Plus, you'll gain access to three independent extensions, cybersecurity for automation of live patches, compliance for regular FIPS, recertifications, and live patches, and enhanced support with a straightforward pay-as-you-go price structure. Get the most out of your AlmaCare Linux systems with Amacare and protect the soul of your organization. For more info, head over to TuxCare.com, T-U-X-C-A-R-E.com, and click Solutions, then Almacare Enterprise Support. As you know, Barcode is where security and IT professionals hang out after a long day. So, get your message front and center to our fans by sponsoring an episode or a live show. Learn more at barcodesecurity.com sponsor. Cheers. Unfortunately, it's time to shut the bar down for this episode. Thanks for stopping in. See you next time. We'll save you a seat. Be sure to check us out at barcodesecurity.com.